We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they gonna roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? Rogers in trouble. It's gonna get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone! It is caught for the win! Richard Rogers! With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast. That is a proud partner of the Blue Wire family and the Eurostep Podcast Network. Refreshedly excitedly back addedly i am your host dumak and joining me as he does every single episode is my lovely co-host jordan Trusky. jordan how are you doing buddy doing well doing well doing well the packers are back the pack are back and my expectations higher i don't know but they're playing the broncos so maybe <laughs> um jettisoning us right from the end of our talk with Paul Ruddle last week about <laughs> expectations. Are they higher? I, they, they shouldn't I, be. <laughs> I loved our interview with Paul Bradle and I took every word of his advice, but it's, when it comes to Sunday and I'm sitting down at 325, I want them Green Bay Packers to win. I mean, who doesn't, right? That was our entire offseason uh, I guess discourse about how this year is gravy. And then we started getting into wins and losses pretty quickly and there. We got spilt. Spoiled. 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 Spilt? Maybe. Any who's will be. We have to, one last time, go back to that Raiders game <laughs> to to uh, <laughs> hand, out, hand out some cheeses, even though it was now a little over a week ten and a half ago. ago. Yeah, 10 days ago-ish. Um, so this is the last we'll speak of that game in an extended context. 
three cheeses to give out this week. Um, the first of which is going to Rudy Ford. Had a wonderful game. One pass deflection, nine total tackles, and five of them being solo. Just really good in coverage um, regardless. And yeah, and the pick was getting there. But thank you for... Sorry. No, you're good. I jumped the route. That's right. Just like Rudy. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, really good play from him. It's encouraging to see him make impact plays. I think we talked about this on a prior episode. I think it might have been the uh, the Lions episode where he had the pick as well. But he isn't playing like amazing safety defense. He's, but for all intents and purposes, an average safety or a below average safety coverage-wise. But he's making impact plays when it matters. And I think that's the least you can ask from him um, as it pertains to being a, a serviceable safety and what is a pretty lackluster safety unit or uh, I guess secondary unit for the Packers. So for better or for worse, nice job Rudy last week or now 10 days ago, you earn yourself a cheese. cheese. <laughs> Second cheese goes to Razul Douglas, who I'm hot taking. I'm going to put out a hot take. Emerging himself. Uh, okay. Got to restart. No, I am I, putting I a hot take is. out there. He is emerging as the leader of the defense, which we will get into later. But I feel like I see more plays of impact and more, I guess, passion and direction from Razul than I do Jair, if that makes sense. Like, Jair is very much the voice of the defense publicly, but Razul is doing a whole lot of work to become the leader of the playmaking and the... uh, the actual football of it all, if that makes sense. I have thoughts on this, but I think we'll save it. Save it for later? Yes. Okay. Um, four tackles for Razul and two pass deflections. Just played well once again, mostly lining up against Devontae. Holding Devontae um, for the most part to like 20 yards on three catches. There was the one catch he had for uh, 21 yards that I think was on Preston. So that's obviously not Razul's fault. So... Got a job on Rosul on in holding Devonta Adams and the rest of the defense for um, holding him in check. The last uh, cheese goes to one Isaiah McDuffie filling in for Devondre and Quay Walker this week. Led the team in tackles uh, with 10 total, six of which being solo, and had one tackle for loss. Another instance of he did what he really was asked to do in a, in a fill-in spot, and I think it's encouraging that he has that ability. Like, I think we saw in the preseason that if he gets prolonged run over the course of games, he just doesn't really have that ability to play at a level that we would need from Quay and Devondre to be a successful defense. But for a game here, and maybe for a game in the future, depending on how healthy they are coming out of the bye at linebacker, um, hopefully he can keep playing up to that level of just don't let anything huge happen on, on your watch. Yeah, I mean... The second straight year that Devondre Campbell has missed multiple games and has been a little bit sneak bitten in that way. Um, Packers have had to depend on McDuffie to spell Campbell or Quay's hurt, have more snaps and all that stuff. And it's not I, I think he I think he's doing more than a passable job. Obviously our expectations are a lot different when we're comparing it to a guy that was all pro a couple years ago or a second-year stud that has really blossomed into probably 
maybe the most like the biggest linchpin to making this defense really work because mm-hmm. it sure has problems. But if you look at stats and stuff like that, like we'll get into, like this defense has been pretty good. Like I, I'm not saying it's could be a whole lot better. I think that's that's for certain. Um, as you are, I did you look at at Discord? No, there's a tweet that our good buddy Andrew Snyder sent us. Go listen to make time for this and cruising for a bruising but he it's a screenshot of the saints and uh jaguars game and it says amazon prime vision broadcast is incredible because it can identify blitzers and also call the coach an idiot right before the snap and amazon prime uh vision broadcast has like stats on who the blitzer is on defense but then it says dennis allen is hesitant to lean into analytics career optimal call rate is the 30 percent it's the only team only team under 36 since 2022 and i just like oh boy hopefully we don't play any of these games (laughs) thursday night football again i think all the all the thursday games are done (laughs) except for thanksgiving Thanksgiving. phew thank god i don't want to be depressed by what those joe barry analytics are Sorry, that was uh, worth mentioning because it's obviously in reference to Joe Barry and company. So, any who's will be. Good job for Isaiah McDuffie. And yeah, like you said, Quay is is quite important to this defense. So hopefully he can come back healthier um, this week as he is, uh, I guess we'll get into it in, in like two minutes, nearing towards healthy. So, yeah, all good from, from those three and definitely deserving. News and notes from the bye week. You and I talked pre-pod that not a lot happened in terms of just, like, general Packers news. It was everything just, like, practice squad <laughs> stuff. But other than that, just nothing happened. It was... I mean, granted, it is the bye week and, and stuff like that. Like, But you'd think that, I think even past years, maybe last year, it was, like, considering the, the point in the season, it felt like there was something... Brewing? Yeah. And uh, especially at that point, because it was, like... The season was teetering on this like very small mathematical figure of like, are you playoff eligible or, you know, or yeah, playoff eligible? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this year, this year was like, yeah, everybody leave, <laughs> get away from football for a while. We'll reconvene uh, the week after. Alas, um, but the the news that we do need to talk about: James Robinson was signed to the practice squad. They cut Patrick Taylor after they had to um, sign him to an NFL deal after his third call-up against the Raiders. Um, ultimately, like like I said, end up cutting him. I guess, what are your feelings on cutting Patrick Taylor? I, I think I have a pretty predictable opinion, but I'm curious as to what was your take on hearing that news uh, post, post-Raiders game. I think the whole running back situation has been really tough to figure out because Patrick Table t- Table <laughs> Patrick Taylor. I had another word in my head that was going to go further in my point, but then clearly leapfrog to that word. Anyway, Patrick Taylor was a serviceable um, player for them when we were. Pe- like penciling him in as a special teams player and all that stuff. Yeah. And obviously, they make the final 53. He had to be on the practice squad for the first three games or three or four. Um, you know, from that perspective, 
And then you're, oh, we have to lead on Patrick Taylor to be the second running back because Aaron Jones is hurt. He's not available. So, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily the fact that we're expecting Patrick Taylor to make plays or just give some sort of lift because, as we have covered extensively, the running game is just not the same without Aaron Jones. And there's a lot of reasons why, and it's why he's the best player of the Packers or most valuable player of the Packers Mm -hmm. by a large margin. Right. So you have that. I didn't really see the problem with that moving on from him, especially when, you know, we compared it to like an option in baseball. Once you run through those options or a two-way player in basketball, it's not necessarily the same thing, but it's like, yeah, we kind of wrung out as much as we could with you. And it's a very transactional way to look at it, but I think that's ultimately where we're at when we're talking about a guy, even though he had been in the system for such a long time, it's like, does he really offer something, anything discernibly different than what they have existing in their running back room? And I would say no. I also think that coming from a purely football standpoint, if you're on the practice squad, like a lot of things that you are involved with when it comes to roster construction are just going to be transactional, as unfortunate as it is. Like, yeah. he doesn't really have a place to make a case for besides his play as to why they should keep him if he isn't playing up to par. Like, if he's not being a a true asset to the Packers, then with hopefully Aaron Jones getting healthy, it doesn't make sense to keep him on the roster and keep four running backs if they can add value elsewhere and then do what they did, which is sign another running back to then promote to the full roster should they need a backup. Which they kind of showed or showed their cards when they had James Robinson come in for a visit a couple of weeks prior. And we're all looking at it as like, oh, Aaron Jones is hurt. But that might be more towards the severity of of him. But really it was more of like, okay, if we run out of games that we can elevate Taylor and it comes down to, do we want him on the roster? When you already made the decision initially to not have him on the roster, it's like, well, we're going to go on with someone else kind of thing. Right. Exactly. So, um, ultimately I'm not too sad about it. I think he was a good special teams player, but I think he was one of the more maddening players to have, like, cause he would show flashes of like, this is what sort of runner he could be. And then it just never materialized even over the course of like a full, like even one full game. It just never came to be. And like the thing about it, He's playing critical downs. Yeah. He's playing critical snaps. We had we saw that in the Saints game where yeah, I mean he's split out wide and he probably should have had the ball in the begin with, and maybe that just speaks to what kind of caliber of player he is and right. whatever. But like it's not like they were they had to use Patrick Taylor in a in big moments. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes it worked, most of the time it did not. So it's like, well, where do you go from there? That's when James Robbins comes in. Now, the other variable, which we did not discuss pre-pod, but there were some very interesting comments about Emmanuel Wilson from Matt LaFleur the other day. Did you see them? I did not see them. This is news to me. I can I can bring up a quote. Please. Um... Obviously, Emmanuel Wilson has not really played much of a role. I believe his snaps are very, very small. Yeah, it's not anything. a lot. They, he has, he some, has it's like six. 
He has yeah, he has eight um and five carries. Yeah, it's not it's not a lot. Uh Matt LaFleur was asked about this Wednesday. And here's his kind of overall assessment of where Wilson is right now. I just think there's a learning curve for every young player in this league, and you just got to prove it through practice. He's a talented guy, no question about it. But it's just that trust that he can go out there no matter what the defense gives us, that he's going to be able to go out there and execute. Because it's not just running him the football, it's protections, it's all that. I think he's progressing nicely, and will give him more opportunities throughout practice in order for him to go out there and do it in the game. Sounds like he's talking about an undrafted rookie free agent. From a Division two school, I believe? Yeah, sounds like he's saying, yeah, he can run the ball, but he has a lot of work to do when it comes to run blocking and picking up blitzes and, or I'm sorry, pass blocking and picking up blitzes and things that way. That I think that frankly makes sense, and I think that it speaks to his talent as a running back, as a, as a rusher, that they were willing to keep him on the 53-man roster versus putting him on the practice wall in fear of him getting picked up by somebody else. Like I, th- I think that might be the coach or the coaching staff's sort of in, um, vote of confidence in Emmanuel Wilson that say, "Hey, like you're safe, but you have to keep showing progress and that you're actually progressing towards being a good third down back, like Patrick Taylor might have been last year, or anything like that to become a good special teamer to kind of refine his game to be more of an impact player in more ways than just being a rusher." I definitely agree with that. I think it's it's the whole package. It's it's doing the things. I mean, we see the whole thing with going from a guy like Aaron Jones, who can virtually do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ Dillon, who has his faults, is more of a limited running back. But hey, I do I do trust him to pick up blitz protections, any stuff like that to kind of at least protect the quarterback. You had me hanging on your words when you were saying I I uh, trust him to pick up, and I went uh, first down. Three yards. First down was uh, was not the answer I had. <laughs> no, no, you would be correct. I just think it 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 <laughs> because of the Packers' overall struggles and the fact that Aaron Jones has again he's largely been hurt the entire year. It just kind of makes the Manuel Wilson situation a little bit more maddening but again it's big picture could there like i i reading those quotes wednesday and then kind of thinking more about it today is like is there room for more usage for him even with those things in mind i i would say there is just because it's like this team just doesn't have any juice running the ball yeah granted it's they're without their Best player. I'm, I'm. I know I have to keep using that caveat, but like, they're just a totally different team. And the fact that we were saying like, "Hey, you know, the Raiders game was good to see AJ Dillon do more of what we expected," but it's still not like great enough. And they still lost. It's, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it. I don't know. I, I I think that's where it's a small little story in a grand in the grand scheme of things. There are a lot more pressing developments that really shape how the Packers look now for the rest of the season, especially with no bye week now. 
and the rest of the you know coming years and stuff like that. But like a guy like Emmanuel Wilson, who were like, okay, this is the preseason darling. This guy really has some talent. Mm-hmm. He could do all these different things. It's more of like, I, I just also my point is, I do think there is a use for Emmanuel Wilson when there is very little else to that is being or that is showing itself that hey, the Packers are a productive run offense because they're not right now. Right, exactly. I, I think. And part of what Matt LaFleur's quote was is that he just needs to improve as a rusher. And I think part of that is understanding a lot more of the schematic stuff that goes into becoming a, a great, or I guess even a good rushing back, or my word, running back in the NFL. Most of that being like recognizing coverages, recognizing when that hole that was supposed to be there isn't there and you have to bounce it outside or do something like that. Um, I think that is like the biggest thing. And hopefully, like LaFleur said, is that he can improve on that in practice and get his chances maybe when Aaron Jones is out some more or AJ Dillon um loses his opportunity or some somewhere wrong somewhere along those lines is I think where his opportunities may lie but it might just be the case of the longer the season goes maybe we start seeing a little trickle in of Emmanuel and here and there to bust off a play or just make a good impact play in the snaps he's allotted so with all that being said we did a lot of Patrick Taylor on that. James Robinson was uh, was signed to the practice squad. Former um, Jacksonville Jaguar, former, I believe, um, New York Jet. And I think he played for one other team as well. Patriots. Yep, the Patriots. I'm trying to pull up his PFF. Was with the Giants this preseason, then got cut. Yeah. He didn't have he didn't play any games for the, um, the Patriots, but he was with the Jaguars for two years. Had a really strong um, rookie season with the Jaguars. A thousand yards rushing to go with um, 344 yards passing. And then just dwindled in his production the rest of the his career thus far. Achilles, um, I believe he had an Achilles tendon tear. Did he? Yes, I had forgotten about that. I totally forgot about that. I don't remember that at all, alas. Yeah. Um, seven hundred and looks like fifty yards ish, um, in his, his sophomore season with the uh, with the Jaguars, and then from there, ah, uh, yeah, twenty twenty December twenty seventh, twenty twenty one, he was placed on IR. So end of the year, his sophomore year, which is unfortunate because he was playing pretty well. So it might just be a case of his body not catching up to him, his ability after injury, but. Who's to see? He was talented back his rookie season. If he can find some juice and retool his game a little bit, it might be a, a good signing. I think a more valuable signing than Patrick Taylor was just when it comes to the rushing attack of it all. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this is all about just having utility to the Packers. And yeah, if you're a productive rusher, and granted, it's very clear James Robinson has not been the same athlete since his Achilles tendon tear. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a big thing to keep in mind. But, you know, there are worse options to look out or to look at right now. And while there are guys like Leonard Fournette, who I know believe is going to visit the Bills, and then that got scrapped or whatever, mm-hmm. um, uh, there were other options out there, too, that the Packers looked at, like Daryl Henderson. Yep. Um, Former. He, that he got... For, former Rams running back and then proceeded to become a Rams running back? Yeah, all over again. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think you know they already looked at Robinson. They're obviously going to look at him a lot more now. Right. Um, and we'll just see if whether he gets elevated, what he can do. It's obviously going to be very contingent on what happens with Aaron Jones, but we'll see. Um, for what it's worth, James Robinson had a pretty good pass blocking rate in his snaps um, last year with the uh, with the Jets and the Jaguars. So if that's what they want to do, then so be it. So he had, he was pretty good last year. He wasn't so good his rookie and sophomore year, which, again, to be understood, he's a rookie and a sophomore. But, um, yeah, a bunch of grades in the 70s on one, two, three, four pass blocking snaps per game-ish. So... But that's good if that's what he's going to be in there for. Like, he's not going to be in there every third down pass blocking. That'll be somebody else, probably A.J. Dillon of the matter, if Aaron Jones is healthy. But if that's what they need when Aaron Jones isn't healthy, then that's good. I'm, I'm fine with that. Hopefully he can be, be of use. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. then uh, Packers also added their, their rookie, Anthony Johnson, to their practice squad in place of Keontae Thomas, who was released. So um, the only and other news and notes that we have is a quote from Russell Douglas, which I think will kind of springboard us into the Broncos talk. Um, but I think we'll also springboard us just into the defense, but actually, you know what? Let's do the, the preview first and then go back to the yeah. quote. So anyways, Packers Broncos preview. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply met in the playoffs in Super Bowl. You're going to have to help me here. 32. I remember that. I was, I believe, five. I was alive, not cognizant. Uh, but yeah, Super Bowl 32, obviously losing to John Elway and, and crew, Terrell Davis, as well as, what's his name, Shannon Sharp, all of them. Shannon Sharp, Ed McCaffrey, Rod Smith, Steve Atwater, uh, Atwater sorry, he was the safety for the Broncos. Yep. Big hard hitter. Came up big against Far because you know the gunslinger threw too many bullets. <laughs> um, 
The Packers are 7-6-1 against those Broncos and 1-2 at Mile High Stadium. Um, Packers 2-3 and three entering the week, obviously. Broncos are much... Hot trash! Sure. At one at one and five, um, and their lone win came against the Bears in Week Four, uh, a comeback win, which was part of the Bears' big downfall. <laughs> a lot of fans were upset at that loss, which you can't blame them. No, it was bad, bad news, Bears. <laughs> um, injury report uh, for the Packers. Devondre Campbell was a DNP, and Matt LaFleur said that he is not or is doubtful to play on Sunday. Um, Limited was uh, Jair with a back injury that cropped up again, which is, I think, frustrating to say the least. He was not on the injury report on Wednesday, but then was a new injury report um, designation on on Thursday. So, alas, the bye week did not help Jair get healthy. Uh, Zane Anderson with a hamstring, EJ with a knee, Aaron Jones with his hamstring, Darnell Savage with a calf, Eric Stokes with his foot, Quay Walker with his knee, and Devontae Wyatt with his knee. Um, I think the only suspect ones of in danger of not playing in that are Jair, Aaron Jones, and uh, I think Eric Stokes is still waiting to come back from the PUP. So he might get elevated for this game, who's to say? It's Thursday at 9.18, we don't have that information yet. Um, but he was doing practices, um, in the video I saw today or in the videos, he was practicing in the videos I saw today, doing cuts and practicing like a cornerback should. So he could given their opponent. I don't know if they'll bring him up this week, but we shall see. Um, Aaron Jones gave some context as to why he missed the Raiders game. He said that he overstretched his hamstring, which is why he was unavailable. So, I feel like that's not a him issue. I feel like that is an entirely strength and conditioning issue, which I feel like I can get on a soapbox for a very long time about the Packers strength and conditioning coaches for the past decade and a half. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> My well, thoughts when like, I first not, thought. Everything lingers with, with the Packers. Like, do you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, 100%. Like the, 100%. Yes. They, they, everything lingers and nothing is ever injury time off recovering healed done whether it's a hamstring a quad a back anything i just feel like their strength and conditioning isn't good no and i remember one of the things that when old buddy aaron Rodgers was i can't remember what time this was but he was Basically, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, what part that was, I don't know, maybe like 87 out of 1,500 times that he Rage Against the Machine. But I remember him talking about like the Packers medical staff and the strength and conditioning coaches and just how notoriously conservative that they have always been. So when you have, yes, muscle injuries in play, I understand that it's very fickle, all this stuff. I just think the fact that they have gone from okay, we're going to keep Aaron Jones out, be really conservative about it, and then it's like, okay, we're going to ramp it up, let's go time. And they've almost done more things to kind of put him in harm's way, or at least enough to keep him out at least one game. Yep. Now the fact that we have, are coming out of the bye week, so you have extra time to rest, rehabilitate, do all the fun stuff that you have to do when doing something like this. 
they're just not in position to really kind of nip this in the bud. Yeah. Because th- it, it, it lingers on with Aaron Jones this year. It was Christian Watson last year. For this, for this hip, last year hip, and his a little shirt. bit of this year. Yeah, like it just kind of happens. And yeah. It's frustrating. They're notoriously conservative without being efficient in actually treating the injuries. Does yeah. that make that make sense? Like, they there's ca- enough they, there, and there's enough evidence that it, it doesn't matter what player at this point, yeah, or what the severity of the it, yep. it just there's at least a couple of these cases every year. Yep, it was Aaron, it was like I said, it was Christian Watson last year, it's Aaron Jones this year, and now it might be Jair this year. Like Aaron Jones looked like he was in good spirits post or during the Bears game when he was getting stretched out on the sideline. Ultimately, is now out for his. I'm going to just call it fourth straight game. He didn't really play in the Lions game. I'm not going to say he played that game. And if he wasn't ready to go for the Lions game, why even suit him up, you know? Like, why suit him up and then have the long break and then, however it happened, overstretching his hamstrings so he couldn't go against the Raiders? Like, it's just... I don't want to call it malpractice because it has to do with, like, actual injuries in the body calling it malpractice is a bit a, st- a stone too far and but it's just it's just not it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense at all that they would suit him up for the lions game and then from there stretch him out to where he can't play against the raiders if he played against the lions he should have played against the raiders whether the capacity was the same or not but alas it wasn't so that's that's too much on the packers strength and conditioning coaches it's just annoying that's all it is. So hopefully yeah. Aaron Jones can go. Hopefully Jair can go. And that his back didn't get tweaked enough for him to miss this game. Um, same thing with the rest of them, including Quay. So I know if Devondre's out, that that is probably given. But hopefully Quay is is trending towards towards playing this week. For the Broncos, um, DMPs was Greg uh, Dulcich, their tight end. He has a hamstring and has missed some time uh, this season already with that. Uh, limited was Justin Simmons. I think he's he's their linebacker, isn't he? Or my or D line safety. Safety. My apologies. Um, but you're thinking of Isaiah Simmons. Yep. Yep. Who plays for the Titans? Maybe. That's Jeffrey Simmons. There's too many names, Jordan. There's too many. There's too many names. Everyone should have a unique name. This is my now new soapbox. Anyways, my apologies. Limited in participation was Justin Simmons with a hip. Uh, full participants were Baron Browning, outside linebacker. Lloyd Cushenberry, the third with a quad. Strong name alert. <laughs> Strong name alert. Um, DJ Jones with a knee and a Kareem Jackson with a neck injury. So all those guys playing just fine. Um, Jackson, Kareem Jackson was uh, upgraded from, to a full participant for Thursday's practice. So with all that being said, let's get into the, the analysis of it all. Let's let's start with with Razul and the sa- and like the the, the secondary and the defense of it all. Um, the quote from I saw you punch me. Uh, the, the, the the quote from Razul this week was, "quote I mean we haven't won in a month. Shit, we ain't win since the twenty fourth or something like that. Of September. What's today? The twentieth. That's a month. You know what I mean? So we haven't felt a victory in a while, and I'm tired of coming in here and everybody's sad. Like, I think." It's probably palpable the attitude that's around this team right now, given that they're facing some injuries. They got embarrassed in Las Vegas. They should have won it's that a game. Young team. It's a young team. They just they 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 don't have 
a whole lot of veterans outside of Razul, Jair, Aaron Jones, and I guess Kenny Clark to really lift that team up. Like that, that's that's a lot of burden to bear for four guys to lift up the the spirits of sixty three or fifty nine other ish players, and I think getting a win for this team would obviously, like I said, lift up their spirits and show the rest of the young guys that losing streaks happen, but you can bounce back, but you need to be able to do that against the good teams when they're, when it's there. Like if they were to go out against like the 49ers or the Eagles or the chiefs and get throttled, that sucks, right? That sucks to get throttled. And, but I think there's a point to that where it's easier to, to swallow the idea of, okay, they're just a better team. They're, they were all playoff teams. They went to the Super Bowl. One of them won that. Like, it's understandable that that can happen. When you lose to the Lions, a division rival, in the way that they, that they did, got embarrassed mm-hmm. on national television, and then they go out and lay a stinker of an egg on offense on national television against a team they probably believe they should have beat, it's understandable that you can kind of hang your head a little bit and just feel bad for yourself. And I think that's where Razul is coming from is that, hey, we haven't had anything to cheer about in this in this locker room for a month now. This this is an important week for us to really go to Denver and kick some ass, frankly. Like this is a ample opportunity to get everybody back on track, have really good games, and reset for the rest of the season. I'm glad that we kept this for this portion of the pod because I do agree with you. I think Razul is becoming the emotional leader that they kind of need to rally the troops, especially when it's a young team. We have to emphasize that a lot because they just don't know. They don't know winning. They sure as hell don't want to experience losing because when you're a college guy and you progress through high school to college, you're playing at the best programs in the country. And you're, that means that you're playing for teams that are go 11 and one or whatever. They're going far in the playoff system right. or whatever, like Quay Walker and Devante, from, like Quay, yeah. Devante, like any of the guys that were playing for premier teams, any, yeah, even like the probably, D1 teams, the par five teams. They probably have lost more games at the Packers already than they had with Georgia. Oh, thousand percent. Thousand percent. Yeah. So when you experience stuff like this, that's when things kind of look – you start to make mistakes. Things pile up. Right. It's just a compound fact of, mm-hmm. of everything. That's why I think Razul is very necessary in this in this department just because they just need someone that has been there, comes with veteran experience, of course, has played with a lot of teams, so he's been in a lot of different locker rooms and can assess what guys need to hear what and when. Mm-hmm. Rather than just being like, "Hey, this sucks. Let's do what we used to do," kind of thing like that. Right. I think Jair is a very different leader in that he's a very rational, confidence kind of guy. Mm-hmm. In that, I mean, his quotes after the Raiders game were very necessary because it yep. was like, but it was also not realistic. Yeah, I think Jair is the iron fist to Razul's velvet glove. Yeah. Like, I think think Jair is not afraid to tell it how it is and say, hey, defense has got to play better to pick up the offense because the offense is young and is going to have going to have problems from time to time because they are so young. And 
I think that might be a little harder to hear as a rookie and as a young offense coming from the vocal leader of your defense, as opposed to Razul, who is, like I said, emerging as a the leader on the field as well as the emotional leader when it comes to um, helping out uh, Donald Savage and Keisha Nixon and Rudy Ford when it comes to coverages and things like that. I think he's yeah. he's taking that role and running with it. And so hopefully as the season progresses, those guys start to listen to him more if they I'm sure they do already, but take it all in stride and start to pick it up as a defensive unit across the board. Not that they're playing poorly, like we just talked about how Rudy Ford got a cheese for his play last week, keeping the the Raiders to seventeen points on himself, obviously, but the defense in general. But if they can become a stout defense, that is the the standard from week to week, where you're not giving up 34 points and getting throttled in the first half against the the Lions, then that'll be good. Like that, that's a really good defense and what we thought this defense could be. Sands, Joel Berry, kind of thing. Like I don't, yeah. and, and that's not to say Joel Berry is the source of all their problems and everything else. We talked about that last last week with Paul Bradle, but the point being, Razul has really stepped it up in that part of his overall football player persona. Yeah. Agreed. So, um, with that being said, they're going to need to, uh, going to need the defense to play as good as they did against the Raiders, an equally bad offense, in my opinion, as the Broncos to have a chance to win this week. Like they need to keep the, the score the score low like they did last week because hopefully the Packers can score more than 13 points against this Broncos defense which has allowed the most points in the NFL which isn't helped by the fact that they let up 70 against the Dolphins in week three but um they have the fourth worst point differential at negative 71 which is kind of shocking that that is literally the I mean that is they lost 50, or I think it was 70 to 20. Yeah, so 50 70 points to 70. Of, that, of that game is, yeah. is that differential. And they're still fourth worst. So it's like, I think it's the Panthers. Um, the Bears, probably. Panthers, Bears. Who's the other team? Panthers, Bears, Giants. Oh, Giants that, that, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So yeah, the, the Broncos are just like. <laughs> Broncos are not good. They have the most like noteworthy things that have happened with them the last. I mean, basically since letting up seventy points, is that they have cut their uh, big free agent signing from last off season. Yeah, Randy Gregory. Mm-hmm. They cut their big free agent signing from this off season. Frank Clark, or I think was that last year? No, that was this no, year. Which and, which isn't encouraging, given that. They're leading the league in how often they let opponents score. Yeah, like fifty-three percent of their of their defensive drives end with the opponent scoring a field goal or a touchdown. Like so, one out two. Right. There's there's something to be said about players not plays on the defense, and Randy Gregory is is fine. He's not what he used to be, but Frank Clark is still that guy. Yeah, like he's still really good. And I, I guess I just don't know what what the point is in, in cutting him. Frankly, like, I understand the Randy Gregory move, but I don't understand the Frank Clark move. Frankly, 
I, I truly have not understood a thing that the Broncos have done. I mean, th- this is also a team that has not made the playoffs since they've won Super Bowl 50 against the Panthers. Uh-huh. It's been a precipitous drop in how this team has um, wandered through this that post-Super Bowl 50 hangover. And mm-hmm. It's been... <laughs> Talking about a team that went all in on Russell Wilson, that handed out a twenty million dollar contract a year for Sean Payton. Like they're they're putting in significant investment at least in these big. Sorry for uh, Cleveland, might as well do a point, but like they're making these big money moves for at least big name players. It does that necessarily mean that they are winning football games? No, which is the whole point of why they exist in the first place. They're they're names, not players. Like yeah. The Russell Wilson trade before they played games was a good move. Like, how were they supposed to know that it really was a lot of Pete Carroll and not Russell Wilson hiding some detriments of Wilson's game at that point? Like, it's, it, that's that's hard to know without being in in the room in the coaching staff on the Seahawks um, for the for those games and for those seasons, but. I think it was a significant misstep hiring Sean Payton. Like, I'm not sure if you if you keep Nathaniel Hackett one way or the other, but I think Which they had not. They they moved on from him before that. Right, that's what I'm saying. Is like, yeah. Do you do you keep Nathaniel Hackett and just ride out a bad year and see if like, I I think firing a coach after year one is always a mistake, regardless. Like, I just think it's a mistake because then you get into. Th- then you get into this situation where you hire a new head coach and you still suck. Like <laughs> you just are handing out money to coaches when the problem is probably the players. And that's not to say that Nathaniel Hackett is this prolific offensive mind that should have been kept around in the first place. He's, I think he's doing fine in New York right now, given their situation, they're winning games. So he's, they're competitive in the, in a lot of these games. Like they almost beat the, the Cowboys if I'm not mistaken, I think that was I think that was a close game, wasn't it? Or my or my way off base. I feel like that was a close game. Thirty to ten. I was wrong. Twenty to fourteen. They beat the Eagles. Thirty-one twenty-one. They beat they beat the the Broncos. They lost to the Chiefs by three. They lost to the Patriots by five. They beat the Bills like in the first week. Like they're not scoring wait, a lot. Wait, of what? What's your deal? What what schedule are you looking at? The Jets. Oh, I think you're talking about the Broncos. No, I'm talking about Nathaniel Hackett's ability oh, as a coach. They're three and three. Yes, yes. And so what? I, what? I'm, my my point being is that the Jets' defense is really good. That's their their calling card right now, but they're still putting up points against some premier defenses like the Chiefs. Like they only put ten points against the Cowboys, but then um, twenty against the Eagles. Like they're, again, they're kind of like the Packers' offensive right now, where they're not doing super great, but they're finding ways to win games. They at least have an elite defensive unit that they can be like, hey, that they can go back. If on. we get to the, if we get to this, you know, put it out in yardstick. If we get to this number, right, we will win a football game. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the problem with the Broncos is that literally their defense is not great at all. They, the Dolphins game, obviously threw a lot of things out of whack, but mm-hmm. it just kind of hammered home just how significantly broken this team is. Yeah. And like 
couple weeks ago, it's you know I feel like this happens has happened the last three years. Basically, since they drafted Jerry Judy, it's that they have to go out and be like, well, a lot of teams are calling around for Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Basically, they're, I mean, they're Pac- skill players. The Packers did last year on Jerry Judy. Yes, um, Javante Williams, a very promising running back, gets hurt. So it's like, what do yep. we do? We I think they got he, Melvin Gordon. So like he that. is back though. Javante Williams is. He's he's back now. Yeah, yes, he, yeah like, he got hurt for a game. Came back last week. Even promise, promising you know, uh, developmental pieces to kind of get them out of this rut. Something has happened where it's like, okay, we're just stuck in for skier i'm just like we're not even able to get out of everything that we've been able to get out of it's the coaching and staff like they have talented players and they just, they just don't have the coaches to do it like javante williams like you said is a good player jerry judy is a good player Cortland sutland is a good player frank clark is a good player they russell wilson he's not i don't think he's as bad as he's playing right now like i think a lot of it falls on his shoulders i don't know if like it's all russell wilson that's a lot to put on a guy to talk about a team that went that I think was last so year bad sure. last year. I think last year for sure because they were the opposite of the Vikings where they had lost a lot of one score games. That they, right. Yeah, I mean, like I think that I think that's part of where your point about Nathaniel Hackett, who made a lot of god awful coaching decisions. Right. Let's be clear, but I think the the pressure of of which trying to win now especially after making that move for russell wilson sealed his fate you can't lose in the ways that they had done all year long that they right. basically just said i think it was like week 13 that like hey yeah you're done we don't need you anymore right but and same thing like it was last year they're the broncos are losing close games they lost by one to the they, Raiders. they lost by two to the commanders like besides well, not the even, let's let's pause on the commanders game I was watching this. They threw a Hail Mary at the end of the game. The commanders were up. Like, it was convincingly up. They threw a Hail Mary that bounced off, like, five yards into the end zone. Cleanly, I forget who caught it. Brandon Johnson. Yes. They had to tie the game. They had a two-point conversion to tie the game. And they missed it. And they missed it. So it's stuff like that where you can get beat up by 50 points. Or you get all the way down the field, score a touchdown, and when it comes time to putting it home with the two-point conversion, you're just, like, way off base. Right. And, like, they came back against the Bears. Like, yeah. I th- this team has talent. And I think, like, we're, we're getting a, a little bit away from the, the Packers of it all. But I, it, it's just... They they have talent, and I, and I think that they just don't have the coaching staff that's really executed well. I get, that's why I think the Sean Payton hire was such a bad hire. I think he, football's passed him by. He was doing analysis, I believe, with Drew Brees on Sunday Football, whatever yeah, he was doing. It was on Fox. He had a, a yes, it was on Fox. Up, he had a movie made up about him that starred Kevin James. Yeah, you love you love that fact. You sure do. do. But that is all to say. <laughs> getting back to, getting back to the point. Of the like the Broncos defense being not up to par, it is now on the Packers offense to showcase the flaws in this defense and have that good week. Like the Packers, twenty first in points scored, one hundred and thirteen so far. That seems like such a low number because it probably is. It's low and it's inflated by the Quay touchdown too in week one. 
yeah like it's that's <laughs> not good um but they're only averaging 19 points from weeks two to five like that's not good like i think i've predicted more than 19 points and and wins every single game <laughs> like that's not it's not <laughs> good so i guess my my question is is can aaron jones if he's healthy propel this team to being somewhat effective but if he's not healthy i think he can do that by the way that's kind of a rhetorical question but i think if he's not healthy we have to see how what i guess what adjustments were made in the bye week to come out of the bye week with something new to show this broncos defense and to really run away at this game because like i mentioned earlier they are allowing a score every other drive essentially and the packers need to take advantage of that I have. I'm gonna basically just rip this off from Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Green Bay uh, Press Gazette, whatever. Go the for it. Probably preeminent Packers writer that there is out there. Um, Packers are 38 and eight in the regular season when Aaron Jones rushes for 50 or more yards. They are 47 and 19 when he has 10 or more carries. They are 12 and 15 when he has fewer than 10 carries. They are 52 and 23 when he has 10 or more touches. They are 7 and 11 when he has fewer than 10 touches. They are 5, 9, and 1 when he hasn't played. And they are 59, 59, and 34 when he has played. It's incredible. It's incredible. Like, I don't think it's ever been as. Excuse me. I don't think it's ever been as laid out and clear in a stat as to how important a player is to a team. Like he just non quarterback addition too. Right. Non quarterback addition. But I think it's, it's, it's just obvious. It's just obvious that Aaron Jones is the motor to what the Pat, the Matt LaFleur offense is essentially. And that's why it makes it so maddening when they don't incorporate him into stuff. And it sucks that he's hurt. And that's, that's kind of where we're at right now, but God damn, man, let's just get him the ball, get him healthy and get him the ball. Yeah, that's simple. Um, with all that being said, getting the run game back on track is the most important thing. Aaron Jones needs to be back for that. They've allowed, um, over the, the Broncos have allowed over a thousand yards rushing through six games. Um, 350 of that is from the Miami game, but 700 yards through six weeks or through five weeks five. if you're not counting the Miami game still over 100 yards a game like I don't remember the last time the Packers had a 100 yard rusher I think it was Aaron Jones last year when he had 150 or something or 120 but uh, I'd love to see an Aaron Jones 100 yard rushing game I'd love to see an AJ Dillon 100 yard rushing game like I think AJ Dillon has it in him if he can get going against this porous Broncos rush defense like it's it's again it's the it's the Raiders game all over again the Raiders had a porous or I'm sorry a poor rushing offense and the Packers have a poor rushing defense it's flip-flopped now this this year or this game the Broncos have a worse rushing defense and the Packers have a slightly better probably equal to rushing offense of the of the Raiders and we saw the uh, Raiders not be able to take advantage of that. Packers held them within check for the most part. Can the Packers now do what the Raiders couldn't and really 
pound the ball against this Broncos defense. Like, I think if Aaron Jones plays, this should be a run-first game because they allow so much rushing yards in the first place. They have an explosive player in Aaron Jones, and maybe they make some gadget plays in there with Jaden Reed on, like, jet sweeps, or jet sweeps or something like that. But I think that's what my my hope is for this game is that they have a 100-yard rusher or even a 100-yard rushing total, frankly. That'd be nice. Um, uh, yeah. And that they mix in easy passes for Jordan Love because I think Jordan Love had said um, this week that the the Raiders game left him with a sour taste in his mouth. He said he just, it was an awful taste in his mouth after um, that showing from him with three interceptions and just not a good not a good game for the offense in general. And so it's they they need to expect more. I shouldn't say expect more. They need to see more from AJ Dillon and maybe Emmanuel Wilson and maybe James Robinson if Aaron Jones isn't playing, which again, knock on every single piece of hardwood you can that he does. But that's my my ask. A solid rushing game to go with in rhythm passes for Jordan Love. I think we can wait for development in the pocket passer part, part, part of his game in lieu of getting him some actual completions and as much as it is to annoyingly talk about it bump that completion percentage up on quick and easy throws but again they need to be able to execute these things which hopefully they worked on during the bye week another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of... It's it's not like getting down to the studs, you know what I mean? But, like, it, it really is. Like, the basics, the fundamentals of how the Packers' offense should be operated is either in desperate need of repair or lifting up through just having Aaron Jones. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Like, not to beat that dead horse, but we're going to certainly beat it dry. Um, but there are ways to get around that. The fact that here, let's – I have this stat. Packers have an eight – runs of 10 yards or more. Yeah. Jordan Love has half of them. That's not good. AJ Dillon has, has two of them. Keyshawn Nixon, a cornerback, has one of them. And Patrick Taylor, who is no longer on the team, has the other. So that tells me, one, trying to get other touches, other people involved, whether it's you know side-to-side action, Christian Watson, He's been hurt, so that's part of you can't really do that. Right. Jaden Reed, they have done different things with him, especially in the Falcons game. Basically, half of his or both of his touchdown throws were basically behind the line of scrimmage and therefore could be considered runs. Yeah. There are things that they can do to kind of, you know, keep the basic principles in mind, but have these gadget plays where they just manufacture run offense somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Jordan Love, pocket breaking down, trying to make something happen, and he scrambles out wide and gets first down or something like that. 
that is maybe probably the best source of running offense this year, and that's pretty sad to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's where it just comes down to kind of sprucing up the things that they just haven't that hasn't been available to them, or that just they have looked elsewhere because they've gone at least in the Raiders game, the most recent look that we saw on them is very just like okay, we're gonna. <laughs> Fight for every inch when it comes to running the ball, and then we're going deep shot, deep shot, right. deep shot. It's like that that just isn't mix, and it's not sustainable at all. No, it was not. not sustainable in the first place. Right? Yeah, I think like that's just the biggest thing. Like the they had success earlier in the year on the the short uh, the short throws and over the middle stuff. They would take shots downfield, seldom leap, and then either draw a penalty or make a complete pass, but. The success was over the middle of the field in the the medium depth target range, and I think that's what they need to get. That's what they need to get back to. I talked about it a couple times like with Paul, and then um, at post game of the Raiders game, they just they just need to get back to what is working simplistically, and that comes from execution on the outside by receivers blocking on like bubble screens and short screens like that, but it also just comes in easy play design. You can't rework an entire playbook week to week, but where's Jaden Reed over the middle? Where's like Christian Watson on a post route over the middle? Where's any of these things over the middle that don't require a whole lot of touch and just require the ball to be placed where it is? Because we know that Jordan Love can put the ball on receivers in that short to medium depth target range. He has trouble down the field on goal routes and things like that. We've seen it with Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave in, in, in games. But making his throws simpler, I think, is the most important part of this offense right now. Once you can get him going on those short, intermediate throws, I think that opens up the playbook for a lot more success. One in the run game, two in the passing game, and for those deep shots downfield. Like, just wait to take those at more opportune times. I'm so fine with just trudging down the field. I don't need big plays so long as the offense is executing. And I think that's where they get messed up as they try to get too cute. Matt LaFleur and the offense does on first and second down. And then you're in third and long again. And when it comes to that, that's where the deep ball comes in. It's a three and out. Like it's, they just need to be more efficient and more, I guess it's more efficient is the easiest way to say it in their, their play calling. It's as simple as that, frankly. Yeah, I, I just think I think it's it's it just has become really hard. It's yeah. become really hard. Which it's and going to be for a young team. Like it, it just it's just going to be, but yeah. it, it looks harder than it should, is I think what yes. we're we're both saying. We understand that the rookies of it all is hard is a hard thing to to grasp around and that execution is going to vary from week to week from defense to defense, but it's yeah. it's grating to watch the offense right now. Yes, one hundred percent. And yeah, I they have this plum opportunity to do it against the worst defense, in, at least scoring wise, um, and across a lot of metrics. But I think for me, you know, it, it's it's very similar to the conversation that we had prior to the Raiders game, but it's even more of a thing now because it's like. You have no more excuse to not put up points against a team like this. Nope. You, if you put up 13 points against the Broncos, we're going to be talking about a loss post-Sunday. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that the Broncos have scored, I think, 10 points in, or I guess 13 points, my apologies, in every single game except against the Chiefs. They scored eight against the Chiefs, which are the, the Super Bowl champions and division rival. And it was a Thursday. I think what matters of it all is, like you said, they just have to be efficient. If they can't do it against this team, which in our in our notes that we that you so gratuitously put together, um, Denver has the worst pass coverage grade according to PFF of all the teams. Like, there's room to throw the ball against this team, and I guess my worry is that they become pass happy. Like I, yeah. I would like them to have success in the passing game. I, it, they need to be balanced. They just have to be, because I think that's where, if you rely too much on Jordan Love of it all, then it's. It, I don't think you're going to have success that way. I think they need the run game no. to support the passing game. As, as an old of cliche, we know that is. Establishing the run. Gotta establish the run. The old Mike, Mike McCarthyism. I think it's a lot. That's a, I think that's just a West Coast offenseism. I think it's like just the basis, I of, think it, oh, basis yeah, of that yeah. offense. Yeah. Um, some more stats. Um, Broncos have allowed 14 passing touchdowns this year, most in the NFL, and 1,600 passing yards, only second to the Jaguars. <laughs> Like there, there's there's just room. They have fifty penalties for four hundred and sixty yards. That's a coaching issue. Mark it up on Sean Payton's yeah, board. Mark it up on the Sean Payton bully board. Like they're just not disciplined. And I think we might see the Packers' most efficient play again a few times this this season or this this game. Just throw it downfield over DPI. <laughs> um. With that being said, anything else you want to talk about, uh, Jordan, before we get to players to watch and score predictions? See, the one thing I want to talk about with the passing offense that I found very interesting with the Broncos. Okay. So the T that has the lowest average depth of target as a defense is the Packers. Six yards. They allow the lowest? Allow. So, allow the lowest, yes. Yeah. Broncos are right ahead of them at 6.4. Got it. They allow more yards after the catch than they have air yards. So the yards, yeah, there's the face that I wanted to see. This might be the Tyreek Hill effect of it all, or Jalen Waddell, or, if again, the Miami game loom large in this. But they just give up big plays. They give up a lot of big plays. I think I have, let's see. Yes, the Broncos have allowed 22 plays of 20 passing yards or more. That's crazy. Which is, the Packers kind of like bugaboo. They don't have a lot of big plays in general. And yeah, most of them come through the air, but they don't have a lot. Their rushing is also 21. They have t- allowed 21 plays of 10 rushing yards. So there's again this you could cut this defense like a butter through knife. Go ahead, say it again. So you could cut this defense like a knife through butter. Here we go. <laughs> butter knife. It's late. It is late. Um but yeah, I just think 
I see all these things, and I'm just like, like I just, I, I, I don't know. I just my my big thing. I just don't think this offense is going to really take advantage of this. You don't think so? No. How come? What? Hate what to be obvious? What do you What do you hesitate about when it comes to, I guess, the offense not picking it up against a defense as bad? I'm going to avoid the Aaron Jones answer because I think that's a it's instrumental to this, but it also. There are ways to that they can navigate it. Which is I struggle to even have confidence saying that. I just think individually they have the weapons like a Christian Watson or Jaden Reed has a, had nice moments. Romeo Dobbs is a great pass catcher. I just think if we're talking about making big plays with the plays that they or with the weapons they have available, Aaron Jones is the crux of this. I could maybe think like, hey, Watson could probably, he's probably good for at least like, hey, a 15-yard end around. Or, you know, deep balls have not been working so much this year, but let's let's air it out in my eye. Um, I just, I don't, I, I guess my confidence level in guys beyond Watson, Dobbs, and, and they're not the greatest confidence either. It's just there. There's just no or consistency that makes me think like, yeah, they're they have it in them to kind of burn this Broncos defense because when it comes to making big plays and making plays after the catch, it doesn't. We're not talking about like they're clearly not running go routes. They're not. They're running these little things that are quick throws, that kind of things that are capable with this Packers offense and obviously a. a pass rush that has been diminished by getting rid of their two best edge rushers, at least in talent-wise. So, I don't know. That's where I'm just kind of at right now. You don't have confidence in the players rather than like the play calling. Like You you just need to see a consistent execution from the, out, like the fringe players that makes it worth believing in, I suppose, is the way to say it. Honestly, you could probably, I, if you talk to me, if on one day I'll be like, yeah, maybe like after, well, obviously after a win, I'll be like, yeah, it's the, it's the players that could really execute these things. And it's the play calling. I think everybody's answer of just like where the offense is at, whether it's play calling players, how the development of everything, it's so muddled into like this blob of like, you just don't know. We don't know what is at root of all these issues. And that's where it's really frustrating for me in terms of, looking at the first five games this year and just seeing like where can this improve because there's obvious ways that it can improve by just having their best offensive player in the lineup but it, it's not so simple in a lot of other ways i would say too right no i, I definitely get that there's just complications in the offense of through and through ever living so. sure um anything else or shoot players to watch and score predictions okay you can go first i forget whose turn it is but i'll let you go first okay i'm gonna go uh broncos okay you're going broncos first marvin mams jr the rookie right or no second he is yeah second i believe he's yeah he's a rookie he's a rookie everything runs together um 
fifth most yards on passes that are attempted 20 yards or more. Um, I'm basically just using the same formula that I did with Rashid Shaheed in that he's a deep th- play threat. Um, Packers, as you mentioned before, have been good on keeping big plays out of their pro, at least statistical profile in terms of passing the ball. But all it takes is one throw, and Russell Wilson, for all his faults, can do damage that way. Um, I just think it, it, they're asking a lot of like a Keyshawn Nixon. There's questions about obviously whether Eric Stokes is available. Jair having this back issue is not that great in terms of the secondary. So just having a, a very vertical threat that has had success mm-hmm. gained down the field, scoring, all this stuff, I just think he could be a potential thorn in the Packers side. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good observation in general. Like the the receiving group for this Broncos team is good. Like Jerry Judy, Corlton Sutton, Brandon Johnson is fine. He's a little bit on the fringe, but yeah, Marvin Mims Jr. has talent. That's why they drafted him to probably replace Jerry Judy if and when he leaves, kind of thing. And so, with all that being said, I I think. Marvin Mims is, is a good pick. He's having a good year thus far. Um, I'm trying to pull up his stats quick to see. 10, 10 catches, 250 yards, a touchdown. Like, through six oh, games, good. that's pretty good. Like, he's not target number one. That's Judy and Sutton. But that's pretty good for a a uh, a rookie. That's tw- 24 yards a catch. It's pretty good, frankly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I would say so. I would say I would, have a, I would love to have a guy like Marvin Mims on this roster. Same. Same. Um, my pick is Pat Sertan. Sertan, the second. Are you certain? I am certain. Um, 23 tackles this year, a pick, and six pass deflections. Um, he's their number one corner, without a doubt. Um, 21, 2021 uh, first-round pick out of Alabama. Um, seeing how he matches up with Christian Watson and Aroma Dobbs, I think is going to be important because he's by no means this like amazing lockdown corner, but he's, he's got talent and you can't make mistakes against them for, for better, for worse. Like I think however this game shakes out, if we're going to have see success in the passing offense, I think you're going to have to throw at him at some point, but seeing love, not make the same decisions he did against the Raiders is going to be important. That was kind of our big takeaway with the decision from with Paul and our talk post game with the Raiders. It's just you can't make the same mistake twice. And I think this is a good opportunity to showcase that yes, I have grown and I won't make the same mistake twice throwing into poor coverages and things like that because he's good he, and you just gotta stay away, stay away from when you can. You want to do first Packer? Mm, sure. I think I'm going to go with Christian Watson. I think I'm just going to go that pair if they go against each other. I just need to see him have a big game. Like, if this defense is going to be Swiss cheese like it has been all year so far, then we kind of need a big game out of Christian Watson. Being able to catch those deep balls if and when they throw it to him and just being open over the middle. Like, I think a lot of the issue with the Raiders game is that one, the protection wasn't as good as you'd like to see it from the offensive line and Max Crosby causing havoc as well as often as he did. But 
when he did have time, when he could stand in the pocket, there was nobody open for Jordan Love to throw to. And I think with with the injuries in that Raiders secondary, it's disappointing that nobody was getting open because they should have been. Like they they have the talent to do that. We guess we thought they had the talent to get open against uh, lesser players than the starters that were out and things like that. So yeah, seeing Christian Watson have a a breakout game this season, like I'm not saying he needs to replicate Dallas again like last year, but I think he really does need to uh have a good game this year because he hasn't so far. It's fair. I, I think he we just need we need that game. Yeah. Whether it, it's not gonna be a Dallas level, but we just need some kind of bring us the juice. Bring us some juice. Not the uh, um, not not the juice though. No. Um, <laughs> la, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be a basic, basic B. Um, Jordan Love. I mean that's fair. Sixteen for thirty, one hundred eighty-two yards, three interceptions. Quite easily, the worst game he has ever played mm-hmm. as a starter. Um, there's nowhere to go but up with his play. Obviously, you mentioned the quote that he had, uh, whether it was bye week or earlier this week, um, of of it leaving a poor taste in his mouth and trying to redeem himself in some way. Well, you got a good opportunity against the worst defense in the league. How he makes those opportunities come to pass, that's going to be the big question in terms of who is going to be available to him what kind of game plan that they draw up because that was another big question or big data with the Raiders game that they thought they were going to have Aaron Jones. They did not all that stuff, but I just ultimately just want to see Jordan love make good throws, have enough time to make quick throws too, but with clean pockets, everything like that, just get down to simplifying his game. Don't get pressured into making bad decisions because that really loomed large and, that fourth quarter against uh, the Raiders, just getting back to basics. Right, exactly. Yeah, getting back to basics and just having a better game. That's that's all we're kind of asking for. Build upon your mistakes and see how you can develop as a quarterback. Like Paul said, I'm calling back to Paul the rest of the season. It's not about wins and losses. It's about progress. And this is a good chance to see progression from a bunch of the young players as well as hopefully maybe get a win. So, but that being said, score predictions, Jordan, you can go first. Cause I know that I think you might have a different one than I will. I know it's a hard, it's a hard sell. It's, it's a hard a ask. Really hard one. I'm going to go. Broncos 23, Packers 21. Wow. You are nervous. I am very nervous. Like that. I, I understand. But, all right. All right. All right. I'm not going to learn my lesson. I think I am now predicting wins almost entirely for the rest of the season because I am a homer. Packers 
30. Yep, Packers 30. Broncos 27. I think they lose a close game again. Yep, that's what I'm going with. Packers 30, Broncos 27. That's it. I'm sticking to it. Anything else, Jordan? Or should we head out of here? No, I, I say... Um, let's get Adel. Let's let's get Adel, but let, pray for everybody. Pray that you we watch a good yeah. Packers game. I hope to join either the pod or the live. Keep in touch at gspn.info for all things GSPN to see if we end up going live after the game or not. So, <laughs> yeah. we shall see. Good point. <laughs> um... But yeah, hopefully we come in with a happy mood and not a a sad mood that uh yeah. that Sunday. I think it's a is it a three thirty game? It is a three thirty game, so it's a it's a little bit later. Yeah, get to enjoy your morning, get to watch some football before, and then the main course. It's feast or famine. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, with all that being said, thank you guys for listening. GSP and that info for all of your Eurostep podcast network shows, like Eurostep which released a couple of episodes since we last recorded uh, with Paul, including um, Damon Giannis playing for the first time together against the Lakers on Sunday. I think that was Sunday, yeah. And then yeah. Um, mapping out the minutes for the the Bucks rotation, Ty and Adam had a crossover pod between years up and win in six. Um, that came out on Wednesday. So go check that out if you want to hear about the Damian Lillard of it all, which I'm sure you do as a Bucks fan. I'm sure all of you are Bucks fans who are listening to this. I would put good money on it. If you're not, thanks for listening to us. We appreciate it. Um, go check out Cruising for a Bruising. Adam and Andrew uh, released a new episode today. That is Thursday, talking about the, the bad news that came out of uh, Brandon Woodruff's camp, as well as... Um, Craig Council's uncertainty and just everything brews as of late. So cruising for a bruising, go check it out. They're in their off season now. So go give them some love, listen to some brews as you need something to listen to, like like washing the dishes or cleaning the house. There's good to have on. A lot of insightful stuff. Um as well, Adam and Andrew still host Make Time for This, a wonderful pod. Their most recent pod, again, that came out today, talks about the gold standard of <laughs> of concert films as Stop Making Sense <laughs> returns to big screens. Jordan and I went to Stop Making Sense together. We did. Da- people were dancing through the aisles. That is a true story. That is a true story. They were running up and down the aisles in like a yeah. really exact exaggerated conga line yeah it was it was crazy like it was something i think we might have been the youngest people in the audience i did see little children but that, yeah their grandparents brought them they did yeah they didn't have agency. <laughs> they didn't have agency in that exactly i think we might have been the youngest people willing to go but willingly yeah go check out the the episode andrew leaked his uh his choices with me you gotta stop uh it relates to his choices with me. And there's a couple there that I want to check out. So go listen to that episode and go watch Stop Making Sense if you can. It was really good. That's a shameless yes. plug, but it was really good. First time seeing it for both of us. Yeah. And heard these songs for million, millions of years. Millions of years, years, Jordan. 31 years. Jordan is literally and, well, figuratively and apparently literally a dinosaur. Um, But... Seeing them all together and playing it live was very, it just elevated these songs even further for me, and I haven't been able to stop listening to them. Yeah, same. 
Same. So, well, that being said, thank you all for listening. Before we head out, I had to give one congratulatory sayings to my lovely co-host, Jordan Trusky. Got married this past weekend. Had a lovely, lovely wedding. Look at him showing off the new ring. It's so great. So, congrats, buddy. Wonderful wedding. You're welcome. All right, everybody. <laughs> all right, everybody. We're headed out of here. We will see you or, I guess, talk to you on Sunday or Monday, depending on where you check us out. So, be sure to tune in. Follow me at Known on Twitter. Follow Jordan at Jordan Trusky on Twitter. Please, I am begging. This is me begging, everybody. Go follow our Instagram and TikTok accounts. We are putting out social media videos with clips from the show, which, again, if you're listening to the show, that's fine. You heard it already. But we appreciate any sort of likes, shares, comments, any of that stuff on those accounts as we continue to grow the pod and the network in general. The ads for both TikTok and Instagram are at WatchGSPN. Um, I'm putting out uh, clips of Talk of the Tundra stuff. Um, I know Ty is doing stuff for, for Eurostep and things like that. So go over there, help us get into that algorithm, drop us a like. It doesn't take all but two taps of your thumb. That's all I'm asking. So that is my 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 lowly plea this week is just go follow the account. We'd appreciate it. All right, everybody. That is it. I'm for sure now. We are leaving. Thank you again for listening. And Jordan, thank you. Thank you.